Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about a famous book of fables and stories that has spanned many different cultures and continents and must be counted among the treasures of world literature. And if you've never heard of this book, I think this would be a good podcast for you to listen to and maybe to pay some attention to because stories that are found in this book are always the type of things that can really add to our lives and enrich them and enable us to understand some of the timeless wisdom that's been put out there by some of the great civilizations of the world. So I hope you'll enjoy this podcast. And the book that I'm talking about goes by many different names. It doesn't really have one name. In Indian literature, it's known as the Panchatantra. I guess that's the Sanskrit name. I don't know Sanskrit, but I'm told that's the name. In Arabic literature, the book is called Kalila Wadimna. And in Europe, it seems to be known most generally as the Fables of Bidpai. And that was the name of one of the monks who was telling some of the stories here. In any case, what this is, this is a this book is a collection of stories of, of wisdom, human relations wisdom, and it's told in the context of animals. Animals are used as the exemplars, as the as the characters in the stories. And it's the book is a lot like Aesop's fables, but it's different in the sense that the fables seem to be more politically and socially oriented. They seem to be more applicable to real-world wisdom for adults rather than just moral stories for children. So this is a good book to spend some time considering, and we're going to talk about it here tonight. I'm actually going to read an article that I published on my website, qcurtis.com, on uh, on January 23rd, which is today. And this will be hopefully a good podcast that you can plug in your phones and listen to sometime when you're on your way to work or on the subway or in the gym or whatever. And hopefully I can provide some enlightened distraction for you as I go through this article. So let me start with the reading here. Um, Some books are so good that they become adopted by cultures outside their place of origin. Uh, Such a book is the collection of stories and fables that has found a home in India, Iran, the Arab world, and in Europe. The book is known by many names in all of these cultures, and various versions of it exist, just as we find in Aesop's fables or in the tales of the Thousand and One Nights. It is known most commonly in India as the Panchatantra, in Iran as the Kalila o Dimne, and in the Arabic-speaking world as Kalila o Dimna. And in Europe, the book generally is known either by its Arabic title or by the generic Fables of Bidpai. Now, the book's original form is of great antiquity. This is a very, very old book. We are told that its first incarnation took definite shape around 300 BC under the authorship of an Indian scholar named Vishnu Sharma. And like many such collections of stories, he more than likely based his version on the oral and written traditions that he found existing in his environment at that time. Now, from this point onward, the book found an eager audience. It was translated into Pahlavi, which was Middle Persian, uh, by the scholar um, uh, Borzuya, 
around 570 AD. And then around 750 AD or so, it found a home, a permanent home in Arabic literature with the immortal translation of an Arabic scholar named Ibn Mukaffa. And he gave his book the title Kalila Wadimna. And this is probably one of the first great, maybe the first great prose masterpiece in Arabic literature. Very, very famous book. And it's known by essentially uh, everyone, every educated Arab will know what this book is all about. Now, from this point, the book found its way into Europe through Latin and vernacular translations that trickled out of Muslim Spain from the span of time from around 900 AD to around 1400. Uh, Most famously, Alfonso X of Castile ordered the book to be translated from Latin into Castilian Spanish around 1260. He was an urbane and worldly man and noted for the prominent roles he gave in his court, uh, equally to Christians, Jews, and Muslims. You know, and just as a side point, that's something I'd like to mention here. You know, we often forget in our own era of religious antagonisms and intolerance that there was a time in Europe when the three great religions did coexist peacefully and in prosperity, and that was in Andalus, Al-Andalus, in, in Muslim Spain, uh, where you had um, the three religions essentially uh, coexisting there in maybe not in perfect harmony, but at least in some form of equitable stability. Now, rarely has a book had such a multitude of fathers or spawned so many children. All in all, it has been translated into about 50 different languages, maybe altogether around 200 translations. What are the contents of this little book? Well, it's a collection of teaching stories told using animals as substitutes for humans. The basic themes of the book, the basic themes that run through all the tales, are the ideas that one must, one, cultivate friends, two, that truth will always find a way of coming out, three, that intelligence is more important than force, and four, that wise, considered reflection is better than rash, intemperate judgment. And who can argue with this advice? Now, we are provided a succession of tales about how to live with wisdom and how to profit from diligence. It almost reads like a digest of advice given by a courtier for a prince or for a sovereign. And this is what I suspect it was intended to be originally, at least when Ibn Mukaffa produced his version. One gets the sense that he was a figure a figure almost like Niccolo Machiavelli, a former diplomat or advisor who suddenly found himself out of favor and perhaps needed to write a book of wisdom to kind of get himself back into the driver's seat. His book may have been an attempt to offer his services to the sovereign of his era. Now, unfortunately, he could not resist the temptations of getting involved in court intrigues. And this failing ultimately led to his execution around 756 or 759 by the local authorities of Basra, Iraq. He thus failed in winning the favor of princes, but nevertheless won over all of posterity. So fate is not without a sense of humor in this regard. You know, my own familiarity with this great work is with the Arabic version written by Ibn Mukaffa. And as written by him, 
It is a sublime and beautiful work of art. It truly is. His Arabic makes use of rhyming prose, brilliant turns of phrase, and he packs his paragraphs with profound aphorisms. And it this is one of those books that rises above its status of simple translation and becomes a, wor- a work of literature unto itself in its own right. And that's why I think every student of Arabic should know this book. And, you know, just to, just to give you an example of this beauty, you don't even have to know the Arabic language to appreciate the the sonorous beauty of his balanced clauses and of the rhyming prose that he makes use of. I mean, I'll just, as an example, I'll just read a very short sentence from the um, the introduction. It's called Bab Muqaddimat al-Kitab. This is the, the introduction to the book. And I'll just read just, just one of, just to show you just one of of many such sentence sentences in the book. Uh, Ibn Muqaffa says, um, and you can see, you can hear in that, those balanced clauses, the very efficient, efficient way of, of speaking. I mean, basically what he's, what, what, this sen- what this sentence essentially, it's, it's difficult to give an exact rendering of this, but what he's basically saying is it's, it's basically conveying the idea that, that since, um, since this was for a philosopher of great ability, um, open to anecdotes and open to you know, new types of thoughts and anecdotes, and for a lover of refined culture and for someone who is a seeker of honor. Uh, you know, he says, uh, for, for a seeker of honor. I mean, it's just, it's just, I just love that. I just love that sentence. I just, and it's just one of many that I could read here. Uh, very balanced, very, it's prose, but yet it rhymes. I mean, nobody writes like that anymore. Nobody, no one can, can equal that sort of thing anymore and I just feel like um, if I sound enthusiastic about it it's because I am and I, I wish um, people could uh, you know appreciate these works of literature but unfortunately if you don't have access to the original it doesn't really come across well in translation but the lessons do the language might not but the lessons do and that's why it's still worth reading even in translation now Kalila Wadimna in one version or another, is practically a standard textbook for beginning students of Arabic literature. And but I will say that his uh, the, uh, Ibn Mukaffa, uh, his original classical Arabic version, is not an easy read. It is not. And I remember my own frustrations when wrestling with his text. Um, a lot of the words are archaic and have different meanings than they do now, and they require frequent trips to the dictionary. And um, certainly on occasion help with a native help from a native speaker now i still have the book and it is still cluttered with the notes and annotations of an of an enthusiastic student grasping for the meanings of words and in my article here that i published today on the 23rd of january i've got a couple photographs showing my old marked up text kind of evidence of the old days of diligence but it shows you what sort of power these things can exert on an impressionable young mind. 
Now, most readers, even in the Arabic-speaking world, are unlikely to tackle the original unabridged edition, as I was bold enough to attempt. For them are edited versions using more modern and colloquial terms. And I have a picture of a modernized edited version for students. Ibn Muqaffat changed some of the features of the original Indian text. He places the era of the work during the time of Alexander the Great's during the time of Alexander the Great's invasion of India, and he includes an extended introduction to his work. The general premise in the introduction is that an Indian wise man named Bidpai has been commissioned to collect a book of wisdom. Now, he does this, and the book is secreted away for safekeeping. A Persian king later hears of this precious book of wisdom and desires to acquire a copy for himself. And this is accomplished through a long and arduous process. The names Kalila and Dimna are the names of two jackals, two characters that feature in the book. And in the beginning of the book, one of the jackals, Dimna, has been accused of causing the death of a noble bull named Shanzabe. Other animals testify against Dimna. He's convicted and promptly executed. So the message is sent right from the beginning that human relations is a serious business, and anyone wishing to improve his knowledge of the same must study it with the gravity that it merits. And in some ways, I, I think the prologue or the beginning reminds me of the the beginning to um, Sun Tzu's Art of War, where you have this prologue, and you've got the king with his phalanx of soldiers lined up and the concubines don't follow the orders the way they're supposed to follow and the general takes one and executes them so that all the others fall into line the east was the east okay the east was is not the west and the power of kings and sovereigns in the east has always been maybe greater than it has been in the west and i think this message comes across in the literature of these societies and in these parts of the world so anyone who enjoys books of wisdom or who enjoys practical life advice or who enjoys world literature will profit from exposure to this work. And I insert in the article a couple links to where you can find the book on Amazon. So readers are encouraged to explore the riches of this book in one of the best modern English translations, which I include a link to in the article. The advice of Kalila Wadimna is timeless, and its lessons never fail to resonate. And who can doubt that this book should belong in our our pantheon of of, uh, of texts to be used here at Fortress of the Mind? And I hope that you'll give this book a look, that you'll check it out, and you'll find it useful, and something maybe you can even give to your brothers, sisters, children, or others who you think need an injection of wisdom. So this will conclude this podcast with Fortress of the Mind. I'm Quintus Curtius, and I want to thank you for joining me. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and rate me there on iTunes. I would appreciate it. And if you've bought one of my books, if you've ever bought one of my books and you enjoyed it, I would ask that you also go to Amazon.com and write a short review. And all these little things help get the message out there and get um, these podcasts noticed 
so that we can continue to provide good quality uh, podcasting here for you. I want to thank you again for joining me. Good night.